I'm Clarabelle Ortega, author of Ghost Squad and Witchlings. And I'm Pat Cho, author of the Gumiho Duology and Once Upon a K-Prom, and this is Write or Die. Wee! Yes, at the end there, and this is Write or Die. I felt like I was on NPR or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all things considered. Have you ever listened to that show? You gotta <laughs> talk really close to the microphone, because that's what they I do have- on NPR. I am really close this week on This American Life. Exactly. You got to feel like they're <laughs> all up in your ear. It's like a juicy <laughs> podcasting. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be an author on deadline? <laughs> well, this week, we're going to let you find out. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> Um, this is a fun episode. I'm really excited about it um, because it is our Witchlings special. Yay! Beautiful music overlaid. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm really excited because I'm playing interviewer to you, Clarabelle, my interviewee. <laughs> cool. Um, but so let me first do my formal introduction for this week's guest, Clarabelle Ortega. I didn't know we were doing all this. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm going all in. So this week we have New York Times bestselling and award-winning author Clarabelle A. Ortega. Clarabelle is a former reporter who writes middle grade and young adult fantasy inspired by her Dominican heritage. When she's not busy turning her obsession with 80s pop culture, magic, and video games into books, she's co-hosting her podcast, Bad Author Book Club, and Ride or Die, and helping (laughs) authors navigate publishing with her consulting business, Gift Girl. Clarabelle is a Marvel contributor and has been featured on BuzzFeed, Bustle, Good Morning America, and Deadline. Clarabelle's debut middle grade novel, Ghost Squad, which is a New York Times bestselling and award-winning novel, <laughs> is out from Scholastic and is being made into a feature film. Damn, Her son. Her books include Witchlings, out from Scholastic tomorrow, and, ah! <laughs> and the graphic novel Frizzy, out from First Second. You can find her on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Talk at at Clarabel underscore Ortega. Ha! Ha! Wow! <laughs> Damn! Hearing all like I know what my bio is, but like hearing somebody read it is like I really am a bad bitch. Wow! <laughs> you really are. You're like Damn, kind of the that's so cool. It's very cool that when Ride or Die began, I was like, "Hi, I'm Clarabel Ortega, author of." uh ghost book that's coming soon <laughs> yeah it didn't have a title you know and now it's all this stuff and that's pretty neat that is very neat people who've been listening since the beginning have really followed you on your journey yeah which is super cool actually yeah it's it is cool it is really cool um so for anyone who wants to hear about clarabelle's journey to publication we already have episodes out about Ghost Squad, and if you want to go back and listen to those, then we will, of course, link them in the show notes. So we are skipping over the whole, how did you fall in love with writing, all of that stuff, how did you get your agent, all of that stuff, because we already have that. Um, And just fast forwarding to me asking you hard-hitting questions as an investigative journalist. Whoa. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it's happening. It's happening. I'm ready. Um, No. (laughs) So um, let's start off with you just telling people who might not have heard about Witchlings what Witchlings is all about, since it's actually its own new series you're starting. All right. So Witchlings takes a lot of inspiration from many of the books that we grew up with as kids. Um, And it sort of asks the question, uh, what would you do if you were sort of put into a group where nobody else belonged, like with all of the other like rejects, I guess. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, And so it's the story of a 12 year old uh, witchling named Seven Salazar. And by witchling, I just mean like a little witch, right? Um, But in this world, a witchling is a witch who hasn't sort of like graduated to using like higher forms of magic and doesn't have a lot of the abilities that like full-fledged witches have. Um, And in this world, there's this thing called the Black Moon Ceremony that happens um, where 12-year-olds are put into their covens. And uh, there are five main covens plus a spare coven, which is like the reject one that I mentioned before. Uh, So Seven is very like uh, overachieving 
uh, she's good at everything. She's very smart. Um, and she loves like books and potions and plants are her thing. And she really wants to be in House Hyacinth, which is like the popular coven with all like the really cool witches. Uh, but instead she gets, <laughs> you know, she gets put in the spare coven, of course. <laughs> and um, she's put in the sp- spare coven with her bully, Valley Pepperhorn, and the new girl in town, Thorn LaRue, who has a terrible secret. And uh, right when their coven circle is about to close, uh, theirs doesn't, uh, which if that happens, they would lose their magic altogether. They would become forever witchlings, which means you just can't practice magic. Uh, so rather than let that happen, Seven, uh, she pulls a Katniss and she invokes <laughs> uh, the impossible task in the middle of the Blackman ceremony, uh, which is basically like a magical trial that will keep you from... Uh, losing your powers but you have to do something that's like really treacherous or difficult and what their impossible task is is to kill a night beast which is like a giant wolf like monster that eats baby witches Um, and they're really really hard to track and hard to find Uh, so they have 21 days to do that and if they can't complete it or um, aren't eaten by the night night beast first then they will get turned into toads so uh, yeah, that's witchlings. <laughs> Just, you know, a simple, very straightforward, <laughs> not complicated. No, but like the thing is, is like it is very classic in mm-hmm. the idea of like there is a hero's journey aspect to it. There is a quest and there's the the theme that I think is ever present often in like middle grade and, and young adults of like finding out who you are right and like really discovering your true identity not who you thought you were supposed to be but who you truly are right um and i definitely think that seven is forced to go on that journey as as are the other witchlings but of course seven is our main character yeah. although i will say soft spot in my heart for thorn <laughs> <laughs> it, it's always funny to see who who's who is who, who picks who as their favorite right like um <laughs> like sometimes i can sort of tell um, and sometimes it's like very surprising for me. Um, but I think that out of the people who've read the book so far, I think Valley has the most fans. Because um, Valley's sassy. Right. Yeah. She's like the bad girl. <laughs> yeah. Everyone loves a bad girl. But yeah. like I'm I, I'm frog house. If people are going to sort themselves into houses, which I, I feel like they're going to. I think they already have. Have. I, Clarabelle and I have already talked about this, but I'm pretty sure that I'm Frog House, which is so funny because like, I feel like, I feel like I don't think a lot of people are going to want to be that house, but it's probably like the nicest one. <laughs> like people, I feel like people in Frog House are just nice to each other and they just like sit around and like crochet and read books and stuff. Yeah. I mean, Frog House, uh, witches are very sweet. Um, They are... Uh, very smart they're like the smart the most book smart house mm-hmm. out of all the covens um mm-hmm. but they're also the most socially awkward <laughs> so me. Um, this is all me you're just describing me yeah and uh one funny thing that i did is that i put uh frog house next to goose house and goose house is like the party coven um <laughs> and it's like really wild there's always explosives going off so they're always like butting heads Aww. Because Frog House is like trying to study, <laughs> and Goose House is like party. <laughs> so it's like they should be close to one another. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like the opposites attract thing, right? Yeah. Um, I had a lot of fun um, with that sort of thinking of uh, like the what the alliances would be, what the contentious relationships would be. Um, so, yeah, that one is one of my favorites to think about. <laughs> I think that's so – I it's so nice, like, the world building you did because I do know, like, a lot of it is just, like, some stuff you made up. Like, you made up a new measurement, a new system of measurement, mm-hmm. right? It's, like, toadstools. Toadstools and gills, yeah. Like, toad, a toadstool – one toadstool is, like, one foot and a gill is an inch. So, a, a gill is, like, the little pieces that make up the head of a toadstool. Oh. Um so yeah, I'm still working on like bigger us uh, like uh like units in case so I don't have to say like 700 toadstools, right? <laughs> um so I'm still working on that, but uh but in the book that you will notice that there's not like feet or yards or anything like that. It's all like either gills or toadstools. 
And so, but some of the stuff you use obviously are like, you know, still like real world language and everything like that. Like, mm. or, or even based on the real world. Cause I know that Ravenskill yeah. is based on your hometown mm. of Peekskill. Well, it's not my hometown. My hometown's hometown. the Bronx, but it's where I live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like what, like where was your inspiration for this? Like, where were you like, okay, well this is going to be based on this real life thing. And this is going to be something that I'm going to just make up something totally out of the blue. Right. Like how did you world build? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, I don't know sort of how I decided on what was going to be taken from our world and what wasn't, um, when it comes to like most things, like, uh, objects that they use in everyday life, like they'll have the similar things, like they have computers, they have, uh, tablets, they have all of those same things, but they have different names. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, a computer is called a Mackle. So, it's a magical <laughs> archiving knowledge locator. Um, and uh, instead of a tablet, it's called a scroller. Um, so, it's <laughs> it's sort of taking, like, having fun with, like, the magical elements of, uh, of the book. And um, sort of, like, the epic or, like, the high fantasy um, roots of the world. Mm-hmm. and modernizing them so like a scroll right would become a scroller which is like an electronic version of it uh-huh and i just wanted i think the more details you have in a secondary world the richer it feels um so i wanted everything like down to like the smallest um detail to have some thought put behind it right And when I thought of, like, things like the system of measurement, I was like, they would use their own system of measurement. Like, they would have their own sort of, like, way of doing this, right? Even if they have things that are similar to ours, maybe they – we don't know who invented the computer. It could have been witches, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But but I wanted them to have their own sort of, like, names for things and their own approach to things and make their world really, like – fully fleshed out on its own without the human world um being a crutch right um just taking the human world like out of the equation because really the only thing that we see from the like human world um is that's like a direct thing that they take from us culturally is music Mm -hmm. i mentioned jazz at one point And then the toads run to classical music, like our classical music, Um, (laughs) even down to the names, like only toads in Ravenskill and in the 12 towns, which is like the bigger world are named like normal names like Jessica, right? Everyone else has like more fantastical (laughs) names, but so there is like an inter exchange of like culture there, um, at least in on the Ravenskill side, but I really wanted to make it like sort of like a self realized world like a self-possessed world like a world that was like really independent um Mm -hmm. and that felt really rich and that I could like sort of fill pages with of all the different things that I made up because it was the first time I ever made up a secondary world Mm -hmm. in this way that wasn't like our world with plus magic it was like a whole separate place um obviously based on Peekskill New York like you said but with like very um obvious changes and like everything is a new name and like new streets and like a a little bit of different geography as well that's that's amazing I love it I I think it's just so it's it's so like imaginative and it's so fun and like obviously there's like things where you can you understand what like our world parallel is like you know the computer or the tablet Mm -hmm. but I I really love the small details that go into things like that it really reminds me actually of Enter the Spider-Verse the um, Mm. Miles Morales movie Mm. because they like they thought of every single detail where when you put all those details together, you realize you are in an alternate universe. Right. You're not in our world. It's like you don't notice at first that it's like PDNY, not NYPD. Mm-hmm. But like once you like know, you know. Yeah. And and I love that because like it really creates like an all around atmosphere and mood for the world. Like and how fantastical you go is how like extreme the fantastical feeling becomes and so I really like that you kind of created all of your own details and really thought of it 
um, and put a lot of thought into it because it's just creating this land that we can all visit now and have fun in. <laughs> yeah. And I think there, it adds an element of sort of like, um, of, of the possibility of surprise too, because like, you know, that how the world works up to a certain point, but that things sort of deviate. At, mm-hmm. at a certain point too but you just don't know what that point is yeah so like you can see a fish which you're familiar with a fish in our world but you don't know that these fish scream when you cut into them right? oh my god um that's a that's the night beast's favorite um that's a the night beast's night beast's favorite snack on aside from babies are jelly bean fish which are beautiful fish that have multicolored jelly beans inside of them Mm. but when you cut into a jelly bean fish even if it's dead it screams like a banshee and it tastes disgusting and smells disgusting but night beasts love it so yeah oh my god that's that's uh you know my sister uh just had a baby you know that yes but (laughs) some people listening might not know and i was thinking to myself why do monsters and demons eat newborns there's like they're so small it's like a little snack it's not like a full meal they're fresh meat (laughs) My sister said that she thinks it's um, it's more magically connected, like youth. Yeah, I I I see that too. Um, I see it as like like it's more fresh, like a fresh human, like not tainted uh, by weird foods. Tastes better, <laughs> <laughs> like veal. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so like this is. I'm sorry for all the vegetarians and vegans listening. Yeah, it's um, not real. It's Don't not worry. real. <laughs> But um, yeah, the night beast, terrifying creature. Mm-hmm. Did you have like a specific inspiration for creating the night beast, or was it like just all of your nightmares mixed into something? <laughs> um, I actually, uh, so I love the idea of having a parallel to. There's okay, the witchling spent a lot of time in the woods in this book in the forest, and like to me, when I think of a little girl in the forest, the first thing I think of is Little Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, and growing up, my uh, mom told me different variations of Little Red Riding Hood. I loved <laughs> the story. Like in bed, she would like make up like her own remix of the of the story over and over again. So, um, so I really sort of like pulled from that terror of like this like giant like wolf, um, and just like really like pushed it to the limit in terms of like what I would find scary. So like a wolf that his fur is the same color as like the mist on like a foggy day. So you wouldn't be able to see him. Right. Uh, um, mm-hmm. Something that is like silent. You can't hear it unless it makes itself be heard. Um, something that's giant. Um, and that wants to eat you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it has like no sort of remorse or like doesn't care if it's a baby or if it's a he- adult, like, just sees like a like food when they look at you Mm -hmm. um so not even something that like wants to protect itself like no she just wants to eat you (laughs) um oh my gosh um so when thinking of like what would be really scary for me as a kid I thought it would be that so um so yeah I made the night beast a thing and with witchlings a lot of the plot related things um at least like the the bigger plot related things were those like annoying stories that just sort of come to you not annoying for me annoying for everyone else because like be like where'd you get your inspiration it's like i don't know it just really came to me (laughs) (laughs) um and the night beast i feel like is one of those things that was like really embedded in my psyche of Mm -hmm. like fear as a kid and i i just put it in the book Awesome. You know, it. Um, when I first heard you talking about the night beast, I thought of that nightmare dog in um, Neverending Story. Oh. Mm. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. Uh, what nightmare dog, though? Are you talking There's, about... Atreyu has, like, goes to this place. I don't know. I, I kind of forget, like, all of the steps he has to go on his quest mm-hmm. to get, like, the name for this... The, the childlike empress. Mm. But... At one point, he goes into, like, this, like, bog-like area, and there's, like, a nightmare. I call it the nightmare dog, but it does have a name, and it can talk, and, like, it's just, like, growling and talking at Atreyu, and he's giant. It's, like, really giant. Like, its head is, like, the size of Atreyu. You don't remember this? this No. Mm -mm. It terrified me. Like, I had nightmares, thus the name nightmare dog. 
I'll send you. I'll send you like. A I photo only of know it. about um, Falcor, which is the nice dragon the dog. Nice dragon dog. I'm oh, I see. Googling I'm looking. At, yeah, I'm looking at him right at him right now. Hold on. Terrifying, right? Oh, you're oh, yeah, looking at Falcor or the? No, no, no. The his name is Mark. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he, he's like, really wants- scary. And he wants to, like, eat Atreyu. Like, he has, like, answers for, I guess, that Atreyu needs, but also wants to eat Atreyu. And I don't know. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I don't know. I hate it. <laughs> if you're scared of Gamork, uh, trigger warning for witchlings. <laughs> <laughs> so it's such a specific fear that, that apparently I have. Um <laughs> But yeah, so so how are you feeling? Like this is your sophomore book. So obviously, like you came up with the idea, you wrote Witchlings, you finished most of the work on it before everything that happened with Ghost Squad mm. at the end of twenty twenty one happened with Ghost Squad. So do you feel different at all? Like, do you think like anything has changed in how you feel about Witchlings because of everything that happened with Ghost Squad? Um, I think that I it, two things. I feel a little bit more pressure for it to do well because mm-hmm. ghost squad really did super well um and i don't think that anyone was expecting it to do as well as it did mm-hmm. especially because it came out during a pandemic right um <laughs> yeah but um and i also feel like i can do this like i i feel more sort of confident in my own skills as an author um and as not just like the writing aspect of it, but like all the other things that we have to do um, in terms of like marketing, even though I'm incredibly overwhelmed because I uh-huh. have so much on my plate, um, I do feel really excited about it. But I, I, I think that like Ghost Squad, I still feel like I'm going into things without any expectations um, in the back of your mind like in the back of my mind as an author there are always things that I want Mm -hmm. there are always things that I hope for um but that voice stays like a lot quieter than the voice of like the work that I have to do because like that's what I need to focus on in the moment um and it was like that with Ghost Squad and I feel like it served me well because I wasn't focused on like I have to why am I not on most anticipated list or like why this or like why that like I didn't mm-hmm. really pay attention to that noise because I feel like it doesn't really help me it yeah. just uh it just sort of like makes you more anxious I feel like um and you can't control those things all I can do is like work hard and hope for the best that's what I did with Ghost Squad and it worked for me and that's what I'm gonna do with Witchlings because it's really the only thing you can do. I feel like when you try to control things too much as an author, you end up burned out and you earned and you end up disappointed mm-hmm. uh, because there's going to be things that are always out of your hands. So um, I do feel different in that I feel a little bit more like I know what to expect in terms mm-hmm. of certain things. I feel more capable, um, more nervous in some ways, too. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, so like in some ways I feel about the same, some ways different. It just like depends on what it is we're talking about, but, um, but I'm mostly just excited to be honest with you because, uh, I really love this story Mm -hmm. and I'm really excited for people to read it. And I've had a lot of early feedback that's been great, like from, you know, like librarians and bloggers and booksellers have been really excited about it and that makes me even more excited but the story means a lot to me uh because I love the story because I love the series and like the direction that it's going to go in um but also because I think the message behind Witchlings is so important for kids and that's my Mm -hmm. focus like I just want as many kids to read it as possible because what I have to say in the book is for them and it matters to me more than anything else that they get that message, which is that they're they're perfect the way that they are. Um, and it's okay for them to change their mind about who they are too and and learn about uh, themselves as they learn about themselves and as they grow up, you know mm-hmm. that's like sort of like the overall theme and that's 
that's my focus in the same way that for ghost squad my focus was helping people who were grieving um yeah and it came at sort of like a the perfect time unfortunately because of everything that happened with the pandemic like people needed a book like that a lot um something that gave them hope in a dark time and i'm hoping that witchlings does the same in for whatever it is that people need at that moment and that's really my focus Mm -hmm. oh i love that so much and i definitely do think that you accomplish that i think i think that you create a very good mix of like tackling real life issues without making them feel so heavy that people are like bogged down by that Mm. um because then they can still enjoy like the fun and fantastical adventure parts of it um and i think it's actually we were talking about this i just was editing another episode where we were talking about stories that can both have like fun you know sweet like goofy comedy moments but then also tackle like really serious subjects yeah and like finding the balance with that um so how do you kind of like try to find the balance with that because i know like everyone's different of course and every book is different but i i do think it's something that it's hard to figure out like juggling yeah i think it's important not to get gratuitous with those things right like if like witchlings deals with a lot of heavy stuff like there is child abuse in witchlings Mm -hmm. um like parental child abuse which i don't think people would assume going into the story right which is a really heavy topic um i don't talk about it unless it needs to be talked about Mm -hmm. um and i talk about it as sensitively as i can because remember like my my readers are middle school age kids they're really young yeah um so i have to be really careful with that um for me my strategy has always been like use humor to to balance everything out like i would say witchlings is probably like 65 percent jokes <laughs> um, if not more like there's jokes throughout like they're always jo- like even when something dire is happening like a joke is going to be told and that's partially because that's how i deal with shit right like i deal yeah. with things by like joking around um but uh I I try to infuse the book with a lot of sort of like whimsical moments like the whole world is very whimsical but there is like this veneer of like danger beneath it too Mm -hmm. um it's not easy to strike that balance because I feel like you could tip in either direction really easily um my sort of uh measure of if that's going well is like how I'm feeling as I'm writing or I'm reading the pages over if Mm -hmm. I find myself like upset for the majority of time as I'm reading then I know that I've skewed too far into the despair part of things Mm -hmm. um skewed too far into despair right if I'm only shirt right if I'm only (laughs) laughing and there's no sort of like emotional vulnerability or like tears um happening then I know that you know I need to add in a little bit more to like have a balance there. Um, But there are like happy and sad tears in witchlings, at least for me there were. Um, And I think that balance is important too. Um, I try to make it very like, like cathartic for people, but also like if you're a fan of these witchlings, you're going to be happy for the Mm -hmm. majority of the time. Like you're going to suffer, but you're also <laughs> going to have warm, fuzzy feelings, um, like, throughout the book. And part of that is you have to put conflict in there, right? You have to put stuff that yeah. are, are bad in order to earn those good feelings. Um, so I just really use my own emotions as sort of, like, a gauge. <laughs> um, and I use a lot of jokes. That's, like, I – because I, I love to laugh and I love to make people laugh. So – Yes, good. Let's, uh, I'll get you one of those live, laugh, love no, pillows. No, don't, I'm going to burn it. <laughs> I'm going to get you so many that every time you burn one, two more are going to show up. Well, it's your fault if my house goes on fire. 
Um, no, I totally, you know, I love the advice of like, well, how do you feel about your book? Like, yeah. that's really the only measure that you can, that's a constant that you can have. Like, it's just so hard. Like, you can't really write to your whole entire audience because by the time you're getting feedback from enough readers, you're like, well, I'm sorry, it's going to print already. Yeah. I'm sorry you don't like this character. Impossible. <laughs> like, impossible to do. An impossible task. <laughs> much like the witchlings have to solve. Like, yes. y- you just can't do it, right? The, mm-hmm. One person's this is not enough is another person's this is too much is another person's this is just right. Like, yep. y- you have to write what makes you happy, what you feel is right. Um, and then the people who are like-minded will find your work. Yeah. And read it. You know, that's all you can do. Yeah. And like, honestly, I, who, I was um, I was talking to, uh, you know, a writer who debuted recently and she was like, oh, I saw that this reviewer like was um, they tagged me in a post and like the review was like, oh, I really loved it. I really loved it. And at the end, it was three stars. And I was so depressed for like a week. And I said to her, I said, you know that for most readers who aren't also working publishing, three stars is a positive like rating. Mm -hmm. And she was like, wait, what? And I said, yeah, it's considered positive by like anyone who's not like also a writer. Um, And she's like, oh, I didn't know that. And like a bunch of other debuts also were talking like it was awful. And like, I don't know. I just feel like we let ourselves like exist in this space where like if we're not perfect then we're not good you know yeah I know all about that (laughs) yeah and it just it's so unhealthy for us and Mm -hmm. it's so bad and like the fact that we're letting ourselves be depressed for a whole entire week over a three-star review that technically to most casual readers is a good rating Mm -hmm. like it's just not it's not healthy and we need to move past that and like I hate that we are always trying to please everyone yeah yeah and you know it's it sucks because like uh, a a good review won't have like a concordant sort of uh, reaction in you like you don't go around like singing all week if you get a five star review right like you're like Mm -hmm. yay that's so great and then like you forget about it but if it's a three-star review and you feel upset about it, it, like, messes up your whole week. Um, we give so much weight to the negative, and it's hard not to. Um, and it, it, that's why, like, I don't read my own reviews. Unless it's a trade review, I'm not going to see it. If you tag me in a bad one, I'm going to block you. <laughs> because, <laughs> um, you know, we're allowed to curate our own space. Like, there's so much accessibility of authors nowadays like we are expected to sort of like be accessible at all times by everyone in the same ways and like I don't think that's fair and I don't think it's healthy and I think people tagging authors in bad reviews is like one of the most baffling things that I've ever kind of like seen and people do it over and over again and there's no way some of them haven't seen like all these authors talking about don't do it anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. So I wish people would really stop because of all the things that we said before, you know, like, yes, your opinion is very valuable for other readers. Like Mm -hmm. I have already gotten years worth of feedback and this is what I felt was right for my story. And that's Mm -hmm. what I did. And, you know, everyone's entitled to feel how they want about a book, but I like we can't please everyone and there's just no like your review is like your one person one person's opinion we're getting thousands of those Mm -hmm. so how do we choose who to listen to right yeah (laughs) and it's like really hard because like like if I get tagged in something if I'm talking about Instagram mostly here and the caption's really long even mm-hmm. if it starts off positive, like, I loved this book. I had so much fun. Couldn't put it down. I'm still so scared to read on because what if at the end of it, it's, like, all about all the stuff they hated? And my heart just can't take that. And, like, while I – and the same as Clarabelle, like, I acknowledge the fact that you have a right to write whatever review you want. And even to put it out into public spaces, the moment you tag me is, like – it creates this, like – 
fear and anxiety in me as an author. <laughs> like I can't help it. And it, it's, it kind of stinks. Like I just, and, and, and it, and it does stink because I have gotten tagged in reviews where like they start off positive, right? Like I, I got tagged in like a five star review recently, whereas like start off really positive. Like, um, oh, I learned about all this stuff and like, well, I love this character. My favorite character, I would die for them. And at the end it was a full paragraph of everything they hated and I just was like, okay, I don't know what to do to this. Like, should I like this post that like talks for a whole paragraph about all the things I did to annoy this reader? <laughs> like, yeah, I just don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they expect us to do with that either, but just stop. <laughs> yeah. Quit it. <laughs> For Luceli Luna, ghosts are more than just the family business. Shortly before Halloween, Luceli and her best friend Sid cast a spell that accidentally awakens malicious spirits wreaking havoc throughout St. Augustine. Together, they must join forces with Sid's witch grandmother Babette and her tubby tabby chunk to fight the haunting head-on and reverse the curse to save the town and Luceli's firefly spirit before it's too late. With the family dynamics of Coco and action-packed adventure of Ghostbusters, Clarabel A. Ortega delivers both a thrillingly spooky and delightfully sweet debut novel with Ghost Squad. Order today at buyghostsquad.com. So going back to going back to you, Clarabel, because this episode's about you. Yeah. Um. So not only do you have Witchlings coming out, um, but between Ghost Squad and Witchlings. You have also done some other work, and I really, really want to talk about that because sure. we have talked many times before about, like, spreading your wings creatively as a writer, how, mm -hmm. like, you know, if people want to explore other mediums and things like that, they totally should. Um, so the first project I'm going to ask you about are your anthologies. Okay. And how it felt writing short stories versus writing full-length novels. Um, short stories are hard, man. <laughs> I feel, yeah. I feel like short stories are in some ways harder to write from a craft perspective than a full length novel. And like, you might think that I'm like exaggerating there, but I really do think that they're really difficult because you have to sort of, um, you have to sort of rap, like tell an entire narrative arc in like 10 pages mm -hmm. and that's not easy to do it's not easy to make people feel something in such a short amount of time at least for me it's not um so they're they're hard i i am taking a step back from writing short stories mm -hmm. um in the future i'm sorry if you were hoping to invite me to your anthology <laughs> it's not gonna happen probably um i will say the exception to that was probably um, the Marvel anthology that I worked on mm -hmm. because it was a comic. Yeah. Uh, and that I had sort of like specifications in terms of like the arc of the story. Um, well, once I handed in like the first draft, like they really were hands on with helping me craft it towards what it eventually became. Mm -hmm. Um, but I loved that. I love writing script, like like graphic novel script, uh, comic script. I really enjoy it. Um, so that I would do like a whole bunch of other times. Marvel, call me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we um, know you have you. We know you have Clarabelle's number at this point. Yeah, we're best friends. Um, no, but but that was really super fun for me. Um, and I enjoy. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed writing my short stories. At this point, um, I've written three for publication. Uh, one is already out the other is also already out but at this by the time this comes out in, in February Reclaim the Stars um, mm -hmm. I wrote a short story um, that's like a retelling of the assassination of Trujillo which was a dictator in Dominican Republic oh wow <laughs> yeah it's like a magical retelling of that um, uh and um and then i have another horror short story coming out um later in the year um and i had fun writing them i will say that 
I feel like writing short stories makes you a better writer. Because mm-hmm. it, it, for me, it, at least, it pushed me in terms of having to get something done that I found really difficult craft-wise. Mm-hmm. And I think whenever you sort of like push yourself outside your comfort zone, you do learn. Um, you learn about yourself as a writer and you learn more about your about your craft and about writing uh, and about your voice and all these different things. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's very different than writing a whole book. Um, and I like it. It's just very challenging for me. (laughs) It's hard for me. Like writing short stories, I feel like is so hard. People who write really good short stories are like demons in my mind. Like, oh my gosh, how, I don't know how they do it. mm -mm. I really don't. Like I, I had such a hard time writing the short stories that I wrote this year too for the same exact reasons that you just talked about. I'm a very wordy writer though. Like I just like talking a lot about like mm. all the small little details. I'm like, and then the reason they felt like this was because of this thing that happened 10 years ago to them, <laughs> like flashback time. Um, and so I think you're a thousand percent right. I think it's like takes a really talented and skilled writer to get across the the a full emotional and narrative arc in like five to eight thousand words. Yeah, you it's know? not easy. Yeah, but so speaking of Marvel, and, and I know that you know since it's a very strict franchise, I I know you probably can't say t- too many details like you can for your own books. But what was it like writing that comic like for an established franchise and for an established character? It was really cool. Um, I was so scared going into it. Shout out to um, Amparo Ortiz, who, uh, while she was writing her story, because she's in the anthology as well, I was like, I don't know how to format this, because it's like a whole different kind of writing. Like the way that you set up the panels and everything like that, the way that you write everything out is different than anything I'd ever done. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't really get like, a guide or anything I had never done it before and I also like didn't ask because I was scared um oh, no. so instead I was just asked another author like how'd you do it <laughs> Aww, that's and nice. um and so she really helped me throughout the process like we both like were so nervous and excited about it um and it was really cool because I love Hulk Mm-hmm. But at the time of me writing the story, Hulk was in Hulk hell, like canonically. So I couldn't <laughs> have him in the story. But then I decided on Amadeus Cho, who's uh, Braun, uh, which is cool because um, Kat was like, it's me as he's Korean American. Yeah. I was like, uh, it's us as superheroes having an adventure. <laughs> um, and I, I, I really had so much fun writing their friendship like I love to see superheroes be a little goofy Mm -hmm. I love seeing their human side like obviously we love to see them kick ass but I Mm -hmm. also love the moments where they're like embarrassed or like having banter with one another right like there's a part in the comic where like they have to go like fight this giant whale monster and by the way I chose a whale monster because I'm scared of whales Mm -hmm. and to get to to get (laughs) back to the heights where the monster is um it's faster to fly and america uh, chavez who's is miss america who's the main character of my story can fly but um braun can't so she's like it's faster if we fly there like come on and he's like no way i'm not <laughs> gonna let you like carry me <laughs> <laughs> But he does, and he's so embarrassed. And he's like, if you tell anybody about this, our friendship is canceled. Oh, no. (laughs) I could see Amadeus doing that because he's like kind of a – he's like a genius. Yeah, he's very smart. He's like the – I think like the seventh smartest man in the world or something like that in in like the Marvel Universe. Um, And he has so much pride because of that. Right. And so – and also like his entire – like he's friends with her, right? So like he – he wants to help her but like his driving force is that she promised to bring him to like a dominican restaurant for food and like treat him <laughs> so the whole Bribe- time- bribery yeah. <laughs> um so so like the whole like his food is the driving force behind the story which is like my life um 
I just had a lot of, as you can tell, as I'm like gushing about it, I had a lot of fun um, working on it. It was so great. Um, it was very fast. Like from the time they approached my agent to the time like I finished the story, it was like a couple weeks. Everything was like lightning quick. And the pace was unreal. But I had so much fun. I learned so much that mm-hmm. I would definitely do it again in a heartbeat. Oh, I'm so happy. So, okay, for anyone who would like to do IP, do you have any advice or tips um, Um, on how to put yourself out there? Yeah, I would say, obviously, you know, for a lot of IP, you do need an agent. Mm -hmm. And once you have an agent, just let them know you're interested in it. Because a lot of times agents get the heads up about these kinds of projects. They'll hear of, like, another client at their agency getting, like, offers for stuff or they'll just hear it through sort of like the industry grapevine so it's important to let your agent know that you are interested in that kind of work and really I've gotten a lot of like emails and like questions about like how do I write for Marvel which is like really funny because I I don't I, I get occasionals like how do I get started but this has been like the biggest influx of questions and really what you have to do is you have to sort of establish yourself as an author right like for me, that's what I did. Um, they came to me. It wasn't like I pitched myself to them. So that's really the only experience that I have with how to go about it. Um, there might be other like pitching opportunities or things like that, but I don't really know about them. Uh, Mm -hmm. if you are coming from like the traditional publishing world, the only thing that I can say is what my experience was, which was let your agent know you're interested in that kind of stuff. And just, like, do your best in everything that you do and, you know, hope that it comes up. I didn't really talk a lot about Marvel on Twitter. I didn't talk about wanting to do Marvel IP on Twitter. Nothing like that. It just sort of, like, happened, um, which was dope. Um, But I think that, like, doing your best at your writing and um, Mm -hmm. whatever you're doing, like, if you're writing books, if you're writing short stories, just, like, work really hard and make sure that you're putting out, like, quality work and people will seek you out for stuff. Yeah, that's that's really good advice because I do think that I do think that like being like it part of the community is often like part of how we get seen, which I know for some people it is more daunting than for others. Like everyone has different levels of social anxiety. So mm-hmm. it kind of stinks that one of the main piece of advice is like put yourself out there naturally because some people are more na- like quote unquote natural feeling about it than others. Mm-hmm. But I will also say like one of the things that I've always done with my agent and I think that you've always done too, Clarabelle, is being open with your communication of like yeah. what you want for your career because your agent is your first line of like bringing you things right and like putting you out there because they're the ones with a lot of the connections with editors and publishing houses um and like you know as we record this episode i have a a you know call scheduled with my agent for like next week to like just review you know how my year has been what i want for the near future like just a check-in call mm-hmm. and i really encourage anyone to like like schedule a, a phone call like regularly like not it doesn't have to be like every month but it, like maybe like every six months or every year like just to like have a voice conversation with your agent to be like hey this is how I've been feeling lately and this is what I want and like what do you think like what are your opinions how do you think I've been doing um just to get a feel for things yeah for sure I, th- I think that's really important too I have check-in uh, sort of meetings with my agent as you know because you know everything about my life um <laughs> but we sort of map out like my five-year plan and I tell them mm-hmm. like what I'm interested in and um like f- I I get a lot of offers of IP and like we had to talk about it like this is the kind of stuff that I'd be interested in at this point I am I would just say a blanket no to all of this kind of stuff um just to make like her job easier and so she knows like what like where I'm my head is at and that we're like on the same page in terms of like what's next for my career what kind of projects 
do I want to take on and can I take on because of my schedule? That's a big thing because I love to pretend that I have all the time in the world. And Susie's always like, "Uh uh-uh, refer to the spreadsheet. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I love a I love a woman who loves a good spreadsheet. Yeah. So so yeah, it's uh it's it's good. You you want they're your business partner. Like mm-hmm. they need to know what you want to do. They can't read your mind. Yeah. You know. <laughs> what? Wait, I've been I've been working towards telepathy with Beth for years and I you're mean, telling me that's not going to happen? I mean it might. <laughs> never say I've never. I'm really investing a lot of my energy into this. Um, so, (laughs) but yeah, no, I think, um, it's hard for these things of like a dream project or a dream situation that people want, because most of the time the advice is like, just try your best and maybe people will notice you. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think in terms of like concrete steps you can take open communication and being honest with your team is almost always, is like always the best bet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And don't be, like, afraid or shy about it. Like, it's normal for you to tell someone, like, this is what I want, you know? Um, As a matter of fact, I've found that in the moments that I say, this is what I envision for my career, is when those things actually happen. Because we can make assumptions about, like, well, yeah, they should know that I want to, you know, go to this bookstore. Or, like, that's what every author wants, like, to hit this list, right? Um, but the truth is, like, sometimes you have to sort of define something as a concrete goal of yours to your agent or to your editor and your publishing team um, so that you can start working towards those things, you know? Yeah, I think so. And also, like, I, for me personally, I don't know if you're like this, Clarabelle, um, but I really like just the feel that I'm doing something positive to mm-hmm. move myself towards like even if it's something like emotionally preparing myself which like to a lot of people that's like that's not actively doing something for me it is because I need the emotional support um but like yeah just like being like okay well I had this conversation yeah. with my agent so I'm doing something or yeah. like I'm writing it down on this list of things I want that's doing something like that's putting it into the universe like it doesn't have to be huge it doesn't have to be you calling marvel (laughs) (laughs) but like like you know the i I think like you really already said it with being like how can people know if you don't say it out loud yeah for sure and it's also sort of like sometimes you need those things to know what makes something possible too right um Mm -hmm. because it can feel completely out of your reach like I've always wanted to see my book in bookstore in um airports mm-hmm. and I was like I don't know how that happens <laughs> I don't and now it Ghost squad is in a buttload of airports and now I know how that works right um <laughs> And, and, you know, I, it's, it's just a matter of sort of like learning, you're learning your business, you're learning the business of publishing and everything Mm -hmm. that you, when you become an author, it's more than just about the craft of writing. Unfortunately, now Mm -hmm. you have to know a lot of things about how the industry works so that you don't get taken advantage of and so that you can, you can take advantage of the good things that are out there for you if you know how to ask for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I like also to be fair, I know like often we're times like, unfortunately, like being a writer is not just about the writing, mm-hmm. but I do also think like it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise either. Like it is like the business side is stressful. Like I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie about that. And like, it would be nice if the business just like took care of itself magically yeah. and, d- and did it well, <laughs> <laughs> not just took care of itself, but did it well and on your behalf. Um, but yeah, if you, if you want to make money at doing anything, like, of course there's going to be business involved with that. Like, it would be Absolutely. silly for us to go in thinking, like, I don't understand why I have to sign contracts, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why I have to negotiate things. Um, but, yeah, I just, I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, we're, we're all learning how to take care of this business in the way that fits our personal needs the best. And I like... 
I like talking about it openly just because I do think like people get really scared about a lot of the business stuff about publishing. Mm-hmm. And I like we just want to like hug all of you and be like, it's okay. Like this is normal. This is totally normal. We have like we have protocols for this. You're going to be fine. There's people to take care of it. It will happen. You'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, it is scary because I feel like nobody really prepares you for how much, for how much uh, admin and how much business stuff is part of being an author. Um, I don't think that I even realized it beforehand and and I I knew a lot about the industry before I became an author but um knowing how much time I spend like answering emails and like doing promo related stuff or like uh swag related stuff or reader related stuff it's a lot it is a lot yeah I mean I I've I've said it before I wish there was like an onboarding like training for authors because it's a job (laughs) and like jobs should have onboarding (laughs) but um yeah I guess I guess it's hard because like who's who's responsible for coordinating that anyway that's why we've made write or die so (laughs) that you guys can have multiple seasons of us complaining and discussing this (laughs) exactly um okay so obviously Witchlings comes out tomorrow as of the airing of this episode. So Woo-hoo! as we always say, everyone has a, has time still to pre-order their prerequisite 20 copies. Yeah, guys, please. I need to buy a house this year. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Help me. <laughs> um, so, of course, like that is that is a rule and an expectation here on Ride or Die, especially because like Claire, Claire Bell is is ride or die so like come on you guys if you're ever gonna do it you gotta do it now yeah um and i know that there's a book two coming out but i i also know that we do not want to spoiler people but that is coming out Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay so i'm excited to ask this next question because i never ask it on the episodes you always ask it so Clarabelle, as you know, whenever we have guests on Write or Die, we ask them either their most embarrassing publishing related story or what they wish they had known. You can answer either or both. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so I know that I've definitely had embarrassing things happen, but I can't think of what they were because... I don't get embarrassed easily, so when I do, I sort of just, like, throw it in the garbage and don't think about it. Um, But recently, I went viral on TikTok for the first time, like, half a million views viral. And anyone who knows me knows I'm very particular about my hair. But in this TikTok, my hair is, like, in a towel, and I'm wearing, like, old lady glasses, and I just look like a tia. Um, And I'm like, I can't believe... Half a million people have seen me like this, <laughs> but this is where we are, and it's just—it's a ridiculous TikTok. It's so funny that it went viral because it, like, it's so silly. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's the way it is sometimes. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it though. It was a good TikTok, honestly. Like it was very funny. Thank you. Yeah. So and like, take this as you will, but I did. It did feel very on brand for you. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's because you know the real me. (laughs) That's true. That's very true. Um, Well, thank you so much for being on Ride or Die. I don't know how to end this episode. (laughs) I'm like, do I just like formally thank you and then just talk to you next week? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Um, Obviously, if people listening have not figured out how to follow you online, then where have you guys been? But just for formality's sake, can you let everyone know where they can find you on the internet? Sure. I'm at Clarabelle underscore Ortega on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And my website is ClarabelleOrtega.com. Awesome. As always, those are definitely going to be in the show notes as long as well as by links to witchlings out tomorrow ghost squad already out bestseller you got to get on that boat because you're missing out this is our rainbow and reclaim the stars as well as pre-order links for frizzy your upcoming 
graphic novel debut. Yeah. I think I got everything. You are quite a busy person. I <laughs> yeah. <think> so. <laughs> I am. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's been really exciting talking to you about Witchlings, partly thank because you. I adore the story and also oh, partly you. because I adore you. Oh, I adore you too. Thank you so much. Everyone, go buy Witchlings! Yeah! <laughs> Okay, that's it. We're we did it. All right. Thanks for listening to Write or Die. Be sure to check out Wicked Fox by Cat Cho. And Ghost Squad by Clarabel A. Ortega. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. See you next time, wordies. And don't forget to spread the word.